Hello everybody, my name is Abigail Johnston and welcome back to another episode of Voices. This is a platform where we hold women's intellectual and intriguing conversations. The aim is to amplify the voices of all women and discuss hot topics that affect us today. So this is episode 8 where I'm interviewing Dr Esther McNeil and in this episode we discuss Gynecological Cancer Awareness Month which um, is a campaign by the Eve Appeal that essentially is to increase the awareness of gynae cancers. We also discuss interesting things such as the stigma and taboo surrounding female reproductive health as well as cervical smears, breast cancer, symptoms and signs to look out for for gynecological cancers and much more. You can find more information about myself, Instagram on Abigail Johnson underscore or find the video equivalent on YouTube. So let's get started. There we go. So hello everyone. Um, so today I have Esther with me. So Esther, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, hi everyone. So yeah, my name is Esther and um, I'm a doctor in obstetrics and gynaecology and I've been invited by Abby to come speak today and thank you Abby for having me. So yeah, so the reason that we basically, I thought it would be really good to speak with Esther is because September is gynaecological <laughs> cancer awareness month. <laughs> That'll be the last time I'll be saying that word. Um, Don't try spell it. <laughs> literally. So this is a UK-wide initiative um, by the women's charity, um, The Eve Appeal. So basically the campaign aims to just raise awareness of gynae cancers um, and just really take away the kind of shame and embarrassment of this kind of thing. So do you want to just firstly describe a bit about the kind of perception around gynae cancers or anything like that at all? Um, yeah, well, I think it, it's probably even larger than that. It's the perception around kind of female reproductive health and, and the gynae cancers that are linked with it. And I would say um, female anatomy in general isn't very well understood or well known. And my kind of stance would be on, on that would be that it's it's because it's hidden. And I would say it's one, a lot of a lot of reproductive female reproductive organs are hidden physically so what you actually see is just actually what we call the vulva so actually your vagina your cervix your womb that's all tucked away so it's, it's hidden physically but I think of it as kind of being hidden in a much larger sense and then by that I mean it's hidden from history books our sex education our conversations our media um, and I so I, I love a wee bit of the history of medicine so <laughs> if you don't mind I'm going to share a tiny bit um, so Galen who was kind of like the premier medical researcher in his day in the Roman Empire he described the vagina but he literally saw it as an inside out penis um, and the fact that he described the, the womb as basically the scrotum, but on the inside. And it was this idea that kind of woman was nearly this imperfect form of man and everything was just the wrong way around. And the fact that a scrotum couldn't be analogous to a womb because men can't have children, like escape their thinking. Um, but it is interesting because we didn't, we didn't have our own terminology. So actually I was having a wee look and the word testes was used for both men and women, which is mad. So ovaries weren't, that terminology was much later down the line. Um, and even the word vagina wasn't until like the 1680s. And so the word vagina in Latin actually just means um, a sheaf for a sword, which kind of makes sense, but <laughs> I know, but anyway, but that's where it comes from. And it wasn't, it wasn't a word invented for women. It, it, it pre-existed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I guess what I'm, I'm really keen on talking about and, and is the fact that even the fact our terminology, we're still really uncomfortable with it today. We still use it incorrectly. It's nearly the word 
vagina gets used as this catch-all phrase and to be honest it's not a word where even as I said it there like you're slightly uncomfortable yeah you're yeah I can see you but like I work in this area I talk about this every day but we we aren't comfortable so like heaven help us if we say the word vulva so you know (laughs) um I don't think it's surprising that women don't know a lot about gynae cancers don't know a lot about because they don't know a lot about their own female reproductive parts and I think it's because one the language really makes us squirm and two in history it is taboo to talk about no I yeah no no literally I completely agree and when I was like doing some research on this I came across that it was the Eva Peel did a survey and women were shown kind of like an anatomical diagram of like their female reproduction 45 percent like didn't really know what anything was which is actually crazy considering that um like so many you know women all have this and whatever but I think at the end of the day like you say it is because it is taboo and a lot of the time it's not talked about even within like sex education within schools and things like that um so obviously there's like a bit of a problem with that but how do you think we can like improve that and make like women more comfortable just in general talking about this kind of issues yeah well I I, I mean my stance would be to be honest I do think thankfully things are starting to improve because I think women and girls out there are more vocal on things like social media and and men too I don't don't want to forget the men and ostracize (laughs) but um and there is there's so many Instagram accounts out there so even a couple like I follow like the gynae gate the obskin mom they try they actually I think demystify a lot of the the thoughts around female reproductive parts and and they give information in a really kind of palatable accessible way and even like our so our overriding college is the Royal College of Bobs and Gynae they have an Instagram um which I actually would really recommend it's very useful and there is you know there's books out there on you know uh, period powers when I've read recently it's Maisie Hill there's Netflix series um, and I think it, it, it is about breaking down this concept of one like women menstruating women having people female reproductive parts talking about them um, and I, I think as you say it is a, it is my sense would be it is about talking about it because the more you talk about something, the less, you know, the less mystification around it, the more we break the stigma. Um, and and I, would, I would say as well, we, you know, we need men on side, we need men who are also comfortable talking about this. Like I, I mentioned this, I don't think it'd be listening, but I um, had like, was talking about this with my mom and my dad was like sitting squirming in the background. And I was like, daddy, stop. Like, you know, <laughs> you, have to, you have to be on board with this. Like it's your wife, <laughs> it's your daughters. Um, and I, you know, it is, it, these topics, you know, it affects half the population. And mm-hmm. as I say, every man was grown in a womb and most came into this world through a cervix and vagina. So get over it. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I also feel like with, um, with like sex education in school, a lot of the time, like you're split, I, you're split into like boys and girls, right? Which I just, I don't know. There's part of me which just thinks it should be all together because you need to know about both like so for example if like a, a guy is with a woman he needs to know like what period is how many days it usually should be what kind of pain you get what premenstrual syndrome is all these different things so it's like because the number of times like I've spoken to guys they're like how long should a period last I'm like why do you not know this like you're <laughs> like do you know <laughs> and I think it also links into the fact like I would never want to take away the fact that these like are sexual reproductive organs they are linked to actually you know to sex to pleasure all that but also like bottom line they're also just organs you know mm-hmm. like the same way that you know people will you know 
you know, have a healthy diet to protect their heart, or stop smoking to protect their lungs. Like these are organs, like any other organs, they need to be cared for. They need to be talked about. They need to yeah. be. And um, so, as much as I'm pro, obviously the sexual reproductive health of all of this they're also you know we call them gynecological organs as well like they're yeah. they're organs we can talk about them without everybody breaking into embarrassment it's <laughs> so true so see just going back a bit to like the gynae cancers so what are the five um gynae cancers that we should be aware of then so it's kind of the, it's the five main parts of the okay. reproductive system. I actually I know this is so kind of cringe, but one of my friends had bought me this mug, which is really cute. And actually, I realized it's going to be kind of semi helpful because basically you have you can have cancer of your so these are your ovaries here. So that's what produces an egg every month, and um, so you can get cancer of your ovary and tube. So the tube of ovarian cancer. This is your womb here. So you can get endometrial cancer it's the lining off your womb and then this is your cervix here so you can get cervical cancer now what this doesn't show is then you would have your vagina here so you can get vaginal cancer and then your vulva which is the labia and what you actually see so those are the five that um you can get thank you <laughs> i love you you're just like oh well i realized i was like this is the perfect time to use this mug <laughs> <laughs> it's actually so good I love it so much so obviously we talked a bit about why, like why female reproductive health issues aren't talked about so do you think that's the same reason for why like gynae cancers often go unnoticed for so long yeah I mean I think obviously we have we've touched on this a wee bit and I think this is you know, largely historical, linked into everything. I mean, you could write a list, but from the patriarchy to religion to um, women, I think, you know, it's, women are often thought of to, as to be like mysterious, nearly for men to discover. And, and I think, you know, never for themselves to discover. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, and, you know, for so long, women haven't had control over their own reproductive organs. They've been experimented on by men well, the reason I say that is because the Sims speculum, which is actually, um, it's a, he was an Alabama doctor in the 1800s. He, it, we owe him a lot in terms of our knowledge around gynecology, but actually very sadly and horrifically, he experimented um, on African-American women. And that was how he developed the Sims speculum. So even historically, like, like the knowledge around some of these um, gynae cancers have, have been at the exploitation of women and, you know, women's bodies have you know, been under the protection of their fathers or under the ownership of husbands. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it is just all linked back into that history of, of the mystification around female organs, not talking about them, not knowing about them. I actually I had a really lovely conversation last night with one of my patients um, who's just went through surgery for ovarian cancer. And I was telling her that I was going to be doing this today. And she was like, yeah, tell people about it. She's like, I did not really know about ovarian cancer. Like, um, she's like I knew you know nobody had ever that I'd known and had it and I would put money on that probably there was women who she'd known because it's one of the very common gynecological cancers women who probably had it who maybe didn't talk about it and um, because even the idea of you know having to have female organs removed I think carries a bit of shame and, and worry and um, that you know you're not fully woman if you've had you know if you've had your womb removed your, your ovaries and um, so yeah I, I think it's it is all linked into this kind of taboo and what is a woman and what should a woman talk about? Um, and, and I guess, yeah, it's, it's and something that probably just needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I don't like when you're saying about like what a woman should be, like I, I often like think of this because I feel like there's a lot of expectations of a particular way that you should like be or act or, you know, 
what you do and how you kind of behave within yourself um, and I don't know if that's just like the kind of societal expectation of how, how you should be or like what you should talk about um, or whether that's like the kind of fear of females judging you for that as well like I think it's so widespread and even like I always think and it's something I've like women you know who come in whether it's in obstetrics or the commander gynae like not what is a normal vulva like people and, and mm-hmm. that's, it's not quite linked into gynae cancer but but it is and it is in some ways because I would say like when it comes to these cancers it is about knowing your body and what is normal and what's normal for you and the fact that it's not odd if you're a slightly different size or shape so long as like that's your normal you know so much has been talked about with breast cancer and like knowing your breasts and knowing what's normal for you but it doesn't get talked about like what what does your valve look like has it changed it, you know because those are the things that later on you know if you're 50 and you notice a change that you can go to your doctor and be like this is not normal for me mm-hmm. um, no I think I think so definitely as well like in schools and in uni as well I think it'd be really important I think especially schools like that's when you can really get people at a close attention you know what I mean like grab them and then just like teach them to know that what your normal is which I think is really important so like for some women like they may be used to getting like a heavy period or a regular bleeding whereas if someone doesn't get that then that's obviously a bit of a like red flag sign and or maybe something's going wrong so you know I definitely think like knowing your body and being aware of all these kind of things would be really important so I realize that probably quite a young a lot of young people might be listening to this and so I think it's important to talk about cervical cancer um, and just HPV kind of yeah. in general so yeah. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> so the cervix as I was saying is that it's it's that we're using that again it's this part here it's basically the opening between the vagina and the womb um sometimes known as as the neck of the womb we'll sometimes talk about it as and nearly all cervical cancers are caused by types of human papilloma virus or HPV and so there's actually more than 100 types of HPV and 40 can affect the genital area. Now it's spread through skin to skin contact with the genital area. So that's various forms of sexual intercourse. And um, now HPV itself, you so I was ha- looking at stats just um, out of interest and four to five people in Scotland will contract it at some point in their life. But the, the thing is that's fine because your body will fight off the majority of those. You have a good immune system to fight those off. Um, however some it won't and that's why I'm a big proponent of one the vaccination program like it's amazing like I think I was one of I'm 26 and I I remember that I was one of the first set of girls being vaccinated um and but the vaccination program now exists for girls and boys age 12 to 13 which is fantastic and what it does is it actually protects against nine types of HPV but of so two of those nine types cause 80 percent of cervical cancer and then another five of those cause another 15 percent so it's actually covering 95 percent of the HPVs that cause cervical cancer and um, so yeah that's I am a big proponent of, of getting yeah getting getting your children getting yourself vaccinated when when that opportunity arises yeah no that's amazing I think when I remember when it was when I was in school as well like I'm 22 so I must have been like a few years into like the kind of running of it and I actually didn't really know what it was but I just got the vaccine anyway like (laughs) now I think of it like I I had no idea what it was my mom's just like oh yeah there's a vaccination that you need and I was just like say no more 
See no more wrestling. I will be on my way. I'm, I'm like, I smash you on the floor. Definitely, I think, though, a lot. I remember at that time, because it was the G at Goody, she died of cervical cancer. That was the first big celebrity. And it kind of, it did really, I think, change kind of a bit of the understanding, a bit of the kind of comfortableness with talking about cervical yeah. cancer. Um, and yeah, we... I, I also, I can nearly remember standing in line to get it. And like, it was one of those things. It's so interesting, not to, it's a completely different topic, but obviously there's a lot of fear around vaccines now. But yeah, you literally just stood in that line, got a shot in the arm and walked on. <laughs> I know, and I was like in the school hall. And I, I remember that was like the first time as well. I think I like fainted, right? I don't know why, the whole thing was just stressful. And I'd never been scared of needles before that. And then, I don't know, I just don't even think I knew why I was getting it. Um, which I'm probably would have been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess there's another thing to be honest like you know we're talking about education in some ways why don't girls know and boys why they're getting this vaccine <laughs> you know literally I was just like mm, I don't really know what this is about someone was like thanks to the cancers and I'm like okay fine whatever um and you just kind of get it um so what do you think someone should do if well firstly before if what someone should do if they're worried what are they kind of like signs kind of yeah. symptoms what should you look out for in cervical cancer um cervical cancer now symptoms can be a bit vague um but i would say and that's why i would say i think it's important to know your body kind of full stop you know yes definitely know your your gynae organs but kind of knowing how your body ticks um is so important but um i think the big one to be aware of is abnormal bleeding and when we say abnormal bleeding it's just as you say like some people do get the odd spotting you know in between periods if that's normal for you that's fine however but if you if you're bleeding during or after sex and again that can be caused by other things but it shouldn't be ignored and um, it should be checked out if you're bleeding between your periods and that started or abnormal for you go to your doctor get it checked and then if, if you're an older lady or you've had a hysterectomy or something you've already went through the menopause if you're getting bleeding after the menopause so even like speaking to your moms about these kind of things and um, if they've been through the menopause and they shouldn't be bleeding beyond that that's always worth getting checked out right. okay. um, but but just like other things so like pain and discomfort during sex, kind of unusual or unpleasant vaginal discharge, pain in your lower back or pelvis. Now, it's not to say that having any of these symptoms necessarily means you're surviving cancer, definitely not, but they're worth going to get checked about. Um, and yeah, there is a host of more genetic symptoms. The, actually, the NHS website is really good, uh, but the thing is with all these symptoms, they can't be linked into other conditions. And the majority of people, will be absolutely fine you'll go and you'll find out that actually you have a wee thing called like an atropion on your cervix which is just a wee alteration of cells it's not an issue but it can cause a wee bit of bleeding during sex so those kind of things there can be other things but for me the big thing I would say to people abnormal bleeding if it's bleeding out with what is normal for you go get it checked out yeah reassurance no that makes sense so if someone's worried do you think the best thing to do is go to the GP then um, yeah. and just kind of do that no, completely. I mean, get your regular smears. Um, if you know, if from in Scotland it's from 25, you'll be um called every five years, and that's really, really good because what it does is it picks up abnormal cells, and those cells themselves aren't cancer, but they can be removed and they can be treated. And so, because if they were left, they could develop into cancer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's actually it's such a fantastic program. It saves so many lives. Um, and it's actually. You know, obviously, I think people are fearful, like, oh, my goodness, what have picked up something? But actually, if it picks up those cells, it's really simple process to get mm -hmm. them removed. Um, and also just it, it keeps you on their books. So you, you then would get more regular checkups.
Mm-hmm. Why do you think people are so scared of getting a smear? Um, well, I think, you know, I think, again, it's a bit of lack of understanding about what they are. I think, well, one, well, do you know what? One, it is embarrassing. That's like, it shouldn't be, but it is because, you know, as I said, it's everything from people thinking that, you know, their lapy is abnormal to the fact that, yeah, nobody like wants to have to spread their legs at a doctor's surgery. Like, I get it. It's not pleasant. But as I say to women all the time, you know, the nurse, the clinician doing it, like they have done this thousands of times before. Yeah. And I know it's hard to get in your own head, but I honestly, like, we... It's so many. <laughs> <laughs> like, the mind of women who often are like, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't shave or like whatever. And I'm like, I literally don't care. Like, don't worry. This is, you know, I'm not like thinking about this at all. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're getting this done. Um, but, okay. and also I think, you know, people do worry that, yeah, that it'll be painful. And I would say like, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it can be uncomfortable. Um, I, but it shouldn't be painful. And actually, if it is painful, you say to the person and because we've the wee instrument that they use to open up and visualize the cervix with different sizes and and so it can't you know we can work to what sits you as well you shouldn't be there in agony at all yeah no that makes sense it should just be a bit of discomfort but not to the point of which you're like this is horrible and I was going to say one thing that I think people often I don't know maybe get confused about can you get a smear when you're on your period Oh yeah. So again, like women, we we aren't worried about you know about periods that you know again they're our bread and butter. They don't worry us. Um. So yeah, if you know the thing is as well, just let the nurse clinician know that 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 you are on your period and that's absolutely fine. Um. They may, I think it's a wee bit dependent places. Sometimes it might be a wee bit more uncomfortable for you. So you might want to um you know rebook or something. But yeah, don't be worrying about that. You know, just let them know. Yeah, no, that's fine. So the best thing to do is just kind of let them know. And then if you are worried, then just book it for another day. Yeah, but yeah, yeah don't, don't be put off just because, no. you know, you your period's that particular day and you you don't get it done because of that. Um, yeah, you know. And one, is- sorry, go on. I was just going to say one question I wanted to ask, um, just to kind of spread awareness. Can you feel your own cervix? So if I, do you know how I was thinking about this the other day? Because... Um, I'd had an odd patient in obstetrics, but anyway, who like claimed that they could feel their cervix and they were dilating. Um, the uh, who knows anyway, it takes all sorts to make a world. Um, <laughs> I do you know what? I actually don't know. I think you, I would say don't go hoking personally. Um, just my yeah, my personal opinion would be. You caught me on this one because I I, no, I don't I don't know. This is why I always wondered, and I was like, maybe you can, I can, you know you can obviously feel it when you're like giving you know what I mean like oh, when you're in labor that kind of thing. You can feel well, it. Like, so when you're in labor, your cervix comes right down, and yeah. um, so it's it, that's a really different scenario because the cervix softens and it, it's really tucked up high. Mm-hmm. in theory depending on what your cervix is you probably could feel service but the reason I would I'm kind of I don't want to kind of stick to to you know one side or the other in this is because if you don't don't worry um I personally don't know where my own cervix is so like and I think because some people's your cervix can um lie kind of anterior so it lies to the front or it can lie to the back yeah. uh, and, and when we're looking for your cervix we get you in a position um you know where actually you're in the most relaxed position that we can visualize it and we're getting direct visualization um 
And even sometimes like, I, so often we, we try to find the cervix for women to, who are going into labor and that can be difficult. So I would say, don't like, it's not something In to worry general, about. probably not. If, yeah. if your cervix needs fine, we will find it for you. <laughs> Otherwise, don't worry. The things, you know, if, you're, if your cervix is given volume, you'll know because of, you know, things like bleeding, things like pain or bleeding during sex. I wouldn't worry going and find it because in all honesty, you'll just probably worry yourself. You could cause a wee bit of trauma. So my personal opinion would be, if you want your cervix fine, go to, you know, go to your doctor, go to your GP, go to a gynecologist, they'll find your cervix for you. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing that I used to always get confused in is that like, for example, with tampons, I used to always think that like when you, when you had a tampon and that was in your, like your womb and, and then it took me a while to realize, oh no, it's actually not, that's not right. That's, that's not good. <laughs> you know, and I, I feel like, that's also something to be really important as well is like to talk about um like period products as well and where they actually go you know? I mean I feel like it's yeah uh, I mean to clarify yeah your tampon the tampon yeah. goes in, in your vagina just yeah. and like it couldn't go into your womb unless your cervix is open so yeah. there's no chance of you losing it right up into shame but um yeah I mean that's the thing I guess yeah there's just so there's so little understanding sometimes like I mean, how many girls have thought and included me growing up like have thought they urinate from their glitteris or something like it's yeah <laughs> I, I couldn't barely tell you so like the whole UP from called urethra it's not that it's not easy to find a woman again you don't need to find if people don't go searching for it but like those kind of things like we're just yeah whereas like yeah. so much more obvious and whatever um so yeah yeah no it just made me laugh because I was thinking like I consider myself like relatively aware of these kind of things and even like I literally still didn't know do you know what I mean like I like I just presumed because of the way that the like the picture is like so small like the vagina is so small and then this thing I was like oh well, obviously like it just goes there like <laughs> obviously that makes sense um, but no actually your service and that's how the whole thing about trying to find it your service is quite high it's mm -hmm. actually tucked quite far up um so yeah you probably <laughs> yeah, you might never find it your doctor should be able to find it but um, yeah. tampons would have to go travel quite far to get into your whim <laughs> okay so back to the gamey cancer mm. if that's okay so yeah. yes while i was looking up and it said that twenty-one thousand women are diagnosed with one of the five gynae cancers every year in the uk which is it's actually really really high um so what do you think do you know any particular like risk factors for getting any of these kind of gynae cancers so, so all of them do have their own risk risk factors to be honest so I think probably generically speaking though um, and, and I would say probably to be honest if you're worried about any of them or want to kind of research any of them the NHS website's really good for each of them um for, for specifics on each of them but kind of as as an overall kind of things to think about with risk factors I mean and so I guess these are the conversations we have with your moms and your grandmothers and stuff. It, it is being postmenopausal is a risk factor for most of them. The fact that your periods have now stopped and you and you've went through the menopause because it changes all the hormones in your body. Um, but family history of things like ovarian cancers or cancers of the womb, of the bowels, or um, or breasts, it's always worth mentioning to your GP, and um, especially if you have 
if you've had a mother um, who's had any of those cancers. And then, I mean, we we bang on in all the time about smoking, but smoking actually really does impact some of these, um, particularly the cervix and the womb. Um, and, and actually as well, being overweight, again, that's not us just like trying to, you know, we're always on a campaign. <laughs> Healthy yeah. whatever. But actually, again, particularly the cancer of the worm that can really impact. And I, and I would say with all these things, you know, being being as healthy as you can be does matter because I mean, I've, I've lovely, lovely lady that I've been looking after and she fit as a fiddle, never has had a problem in her life. And she got the one. So ovarian cancer is one we worry about because it's the one that doesn't get picked up until quite late. Um, and Oh, I have no idea who that is. Let's not worry about them. Um, and uh, that's so annoying. Sorry. Um, but she, she, was so, she was so fit and healthy. And I guess what I'm trying to say, um, she still got ovarian cancer, even though she didn't have a single risk factor to her name other than being a woman. Um, but because she is, in a, is kind of physically in very good state, she's come through that surgery really well. So I guess my thing would always be on anything, you know, trying, it's hard, but like, you know, stopping smoking, you know, losing a bit of weight, all those things are, you know, help reduce your risk of cancers, but on the awful chance that you are that one person who, you know, gets ovarian cancer, who's never had a risk factor, you'd have put yourself in the best position for treatment. No, that actually makes a lot of sense. So you said, mentioned earlier as well about the kind of cervical um, cancer sign mm-hmm. symptoms. Um, what would, do you, is it easier to talk to each one individually or to just mean in general, we could just say, if this kind of happens, go to yeah. your doctor? I mean, I, so we can, I think we probably can talk about, well, we can talk about the generic and, and a, a wee bit on each of them. Because yeah. I, think- I was going to say ovarian specifically is quite, yeah, but but my main take-home message for all of them is get to know your body and listen to your body. So, for example, so starting at the starting at what we can see the vulva. Now, vulva cancer, thankfully, is quite rare. But um, know your vulva, so you will know then if the skin's changing. If you've developed, a, you know, lumps and bumps in that area is not abnormal but actually if you've developed a lump there that you didn't have before or there's a bit of an ulceration and then you know that's not that's not what's normal for me go to your gp so you know know what the skin looks like that's that's important and then when it comes to you know your vagina and the cervix and the womb bleeding is a, is a big kind of sign so track your periods you know get get an app know how long your periods last and when they should be so if you know if you are suddenly getting a bit of bleeding and it's all just changed itself that's a red flag for you um and and that can like that can correspond to cancers of the vagina of the cervix womb um and so, so i would say yeah bleeding's a big one for all of those um but then symptoms of just other organs in that same area so if you're having pain or difficulty passing urine because that's in the same area if you're getting bile disturbances again your bowels are there pelvic pain especially when you're having sex or peeing so they they can all be signs especially of ovarian cancer because the ovaries are the one 
sadly that are a bit hidden for example and I need to stop speaking about this one which is so lovely and I, I think it really saddens me because she literally had yeah. was so fit and healthy she's a woman in her 50s you know she could be my mom she could be your mom and yeah. she said to me she had noticed that she was so much tired and she kind of had put it down to oh it's COVID and you know everybody's feeling a bit kind of well, many people have put things down to COVID like I've noticed this in speaking to patients they're like oh I just thought yeah I was just tired because of COVID and I was like I know but and people are mentally I do guess it I do I do get that but then funny she like phoned a GP she was like oh maybe I'm anemic phoned a GP and they were like anything else going on she was like oh well actually over the last couple of weeks like you know my bowels have actually been a lot lesser um and and she said she was like oh I thought maybe I've been eating more fiber and she said she was just she just there was a number of things and she just was making like oh it's because of COVID oh it's because I've like added fiber into my diet um and actually, yeah, she had stage four ovarian cancer. Um, so I, I don't want to scare people because it is the one, it's the one that scares, it is the one that scares us. But I guess my point is if something's changing in your body and you know that your health's changing, it might be any of the gynae cancers. It could be something like your wee bit of Yeah, it's like, yeah, it literally could be anything, yeah. But it's not, it's worth getting checked out. Um, and it's worth speaking to somebody about it because at the end of the day, it's reassurance. And as we always say, like, you know, so many people apologize for coming in, but we'd rather tell you you're fine um, than find something. Um, yeah, exactly. Like you'd rather tell them that they're fine than have them come back in when they're at stage four. And like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like the prognosis obviously isn't as good when you're kind of at that stage. Mm-hmm. I would say one thing as well for the period tracker, there's a good app called Clue. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard or is it? Uh, yeah, I use it. I use a different. I have a funny story about period apps, though, because I, my <laughs> I hope she won't, I hope she won't mind me telling this, but my sister talks like she was like paying, she was trying to pay for something using like her Apple, um, you know, her Apple iPay, and she was like the person would look at me. She realized she'd like for some reason like she wasn't thinking, and she opened her period app and she was trying to pay with like her. Pay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah I hope that's my tell <laughs> sorry you were saying please her, her sister getting thrown under the bus but yeah no no it's a good app and you can like I, I know with Clue and um, you can like track like when it used it used to it used to tell you your fertile date on Clue yeah. but they stopped doing that and I they said something on the app they said it was to do with like Stress. I don't know. It's like stressing women out, or so. There was like, so I don't know. There was like a reason they took it away, but like they'll show you when, like, it's premenstrual syndrome, and it's like all the little clouds in a circle, mm-hmm. and then you can like track your like sleep and like if you have any PMS kind of symptoms and stuff. So no, it's definitely it's good yeah. to get if you. You know, I mean, I don't remember. I've been using the same one for years, and I actually can't remember what the name of it is. Oh, mine's just called P Tracker, but actually it's the same. It like shows you like fertility. You can put all the like symptoms in, whether it's bloating and yeah, well, it's PMS, whatever. Um, yeah, no, definitely. One kind of, I had to, like a couple more questions, but the one of the ones I wanted to ask was, see for breast cancer, um, I think a lot of time people do think that it's like a, a gynae cancer. Um, why, why isn't it a gynae cancer? 
So it's it's not a gynae cancer because it's not one of the what we call gynecological organs. Mm-hmm. Um, the breasts are another organ in and of themselves. So they're they are a separate system. I think the reason obviously they often get linked in is because people, and again, and I have to say that this is the wonderful thing about you know celebrities who are willing to speak out about these things, but people like Angelina Jolie, who had the BRCA gene, um, and the BRCA gene is linked to both breast and ovarian cancer. So I think people often put those two together um, when actually the breast cancer in and of itself is a separate cancer. It's not, it's not one of the gynecological organs, but but it is true that there is a link um, in terms of genetics between breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And ovarian, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think as well, like, um, what a lot of people maybe don't realise is that breast cancer you can get in males and yeah. females. Obviously, it's, it's more common in yeah. males, but um, not as a condition that obviously... They have mammary yeah. tissues still as well. So, yeah, the, the same breast tissues there, they just obviously don't have the same amount. So, yeah. yeah no, Do you have anything else that you want to add about this topic or any kind of... Um, I mean, no, I mean, I think my my take home message is kind of um, for people would be like women and men, like talk about female gynae or reproductive parts, normalize it. Um, we don't have to sexualize it. If we normalize it, talk to your friends, your sisters, your mothers, your grandmothers, get your smears when you're called um, and know your body and, and listen to it when it changes. And, and I would also say like, yeah, love, love your female parts. The female reproductive organs are phenomenal. Um, so let's not, you know, not let's not make them a big mystery, but kind of, yeah, protect them and celebrate them would be my oh, Definitely. And I think as well, like if you are unsure about any kind of questions about your reproductives and you can obviously look online, but when you're at your smear appointment or anything like that like definitely feel free to ask the nurse the doctor any questions about it because I'm sure they're more than happy to answer about anything like that and they'll have a good idea whoever's doing your smear it'll be a nurse it'll be a clinician they'll have a really good idea of what's normal and you know in two seconds can say oh don't worry about that or Mm -hmm. actually get the doctor to pop in and have a have a wee chat or have a wee look or we'll do something extra you know at the end of the day that could save a life that could save your life yeah, no, definitely. Um, so just a couple of questions to finish off. Um, so obviously I'm doing the Miss Universe GB final this um, October. So one question I like to ask people is, if you were a judge, what would be the one question that you would ask? Oh, you, you didn't ask me one question. You can, someone give me three. The and I was like, okay, fair enough. I don't think, I, I don't think I'd be giving you three this morning. Um, I guess if there's oh if there's one thing you could tell yourself or you know tell yourself at say 12 because I think 12 13 is kind of a difficult age to be a girl like what would you tell yourself really is that what you'd ask <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's what I'd ask I it do you want to answer my honest answer yeah I'm I probably tell myself that it's okay to not be the same as everybody else because I think at that age there's such a pressure to all be the same you know like you dress the same um, and you're the same you all think you need to want the same things Mm -hmm. Um, when at the end of the day like if you like doing something or you want to look a particular way just kind of go and be yourself because I think you'll end up coming back to that in the end, you know? <laughs> no, it's so true. And, you know, I'm a big believer in that. And I think, I mean, that even relates into some of the stuff we've talked about, the fact that we're all a bit unique. 
you know, whether it's our, our face or our lapia or whatever, like we're all different or our personality. Like it's, yeah. Um, no, I think, yeah. I like what would, what, would you, what would you say to your 12, 13 year old self? I think I would say that like, you know, and I know it's so cliche, but like it will all work out. I think, you know, at 12 or like- oh, that's what I was going to say at first. Yeah, but I, like, thought, I thought she was going to say it for the cliche. No, no, not at all. Because I think you, at that age, you're so kind of, you're obsessed with everything falling in place. You're right, like looking the right way or like, you know, getting the right grades, you know. And, and, the, and actually, I think we do put a crazy amount of pressure on ourselves at such a young age, but I think- yeah you know and at every you are, I think everyone is not like obsessed with yourself but you you are like at that age you think I don't even maybe even now no, but like you think the world is all trying to yeah. and like you're the only one going through this like existence you know because yeah, I often think to myself like someday if I have a daughter like you know I'll tell her but like you know it will be fine like I promise you Lord God, and she probably won't believe me and still be like mom like you don't, awesome. you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> but like we you know it's so true like you know you're right like you know whether it's like you'll find your own style you'll find the right friends um you'll find the job like it you know thankfully you know life does pan itself like everybody's timeline's a bit different um like flip me I have friends who are having babies right now I have friends here traveling all over the world everybody's doing different things but like they're on their yeah. path no, I think that's like you're at that age where everyone is like very like yeah diversifying. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's doing so. There's not even a point of like looking around and being like, oh, I'm not doing that because yeah, you're doing a completely different thing. You're completely twenty six is different for everybody. Twenty two is even different from everybody. Yeah. But like, I think once you start hitting twenty, that's when it get or like even like eighteen to be fair. That yeah. I think especially like twenty. The 30s is like you're saying that thing about because when you're 12 you know you're all in school you're all doing the same things you think you need to be the same in every other area but like as you know as time goes on you realize that like yeah you're all unique and you're all going to do a slightly different thing and and that's and there's something really beautiful about that yeah no definitely because I just I think back to in school where we all used to wear Jack Wills and like it just was like <laughs> you'd have like your Jack Wills hoodie and your Julie and your little like well some people are dreadlocks I just have like big hugs and they uh, Uggs were such a thing I remember my grey Uggs yeah, like they're getting, brought, they're getting brought back in I would say I um, don't know how to feel about that but <laughs> <laughs> I like Uggs slippers I'm not so sure about Uggs coming back in but you know what's become a fashion statement as well and I mean it's again related into kind of Crocs how have Crocs become because we wear Crocs obviously to surgery oh my gosh I love Crocs Crocs have become such a like I think it's Justin Bieber went and wore them and now everybody's wearing them no they actually have I I like that though they're they're cool I've got pink Crocs and I'm like I really want want a platform pair for work but people keep saying no no too much I know, to be fair, it might be, might swap you there. My yeah. last question I wanted to ask, you kind of did answer because you asked it and you think, because I basically wanted to ask, what is the one message you would tell women and young girls? Which you kind of did answer, I suppose. It's kind of the same thing. No, 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 but it's fine. I think, again, like it's, it's there's no harm in reiterating because the answer is talk about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, talk, the thing is, it's, I have, thankfully I have a mother who's quite open to chatting about whatever, but like, I have female friends I've spoken to who've like, oh, I would never talk to my mom about that. And I'm like, what? Like your mom, like, you know, she, she has it as well. <laughs> she gave birth to you. She like, 
you know, she's been there before. Yeah. If, you know, if you have sisters, if you're friends, whoever speak to, you know, speak to the females in your life about some of this. And then, you know, should it ever arise in the future and you have a problem, you won't ho- hopefully feel uncomfortable sharing it and getting someone to tell you to go to a doctor. Yeah, no, definitely. I love it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you all for listening and I hope that you enjoyed the episode and learned a little bit more about gynae, cancers and just the stigma that surrounds female reproductive health. Please feel free to leave a review if you enjoyed it and let me know what other topics you want to hear. You can find more information about myself on Instagram at abigailjohnson underscore or find the video equivalent on YouTube. Thank you.